0: Good morning, His people. Welcome to church. So good to have you joining us again. And we've just had an amazing week of prayer, fasting and consecration. And just the prayer was so rich. I think one of my highlights was our 24-hour prayer chain that we did on the last day. And just just seeing and hearing the testimonies of just the amazing things people were being led to pray, and just the faith arising and and we just so delighted with this revival in prayer that God has been birthing in us, and more than that we we so excited about everything that God has been birthing in our hearts that we we are going to see come forth out of our hearts as we've just leaned into God and leaned into what He has for us. So thank you for those of you who've joined us. And I just wanted to mention that we've used the devotional, the five-day devotional this week uh, for our five-day fast. But there's actually a 21-day devotional because some churches are doing a 21-day Daniel fast going through to the end of the month so if you want to hook into the 21 day devotional if you want to get yourself a copy please message our administrator on our church number and uh, she will send it to you it's a pdf document and just as the 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 week's devotional covered different aspects of God's character nature the 21 day version does the same it covers a whole lot of additional aspects of God's character and nature, and it's so rich. I really encourage you you to get a hold of it uh, through our, our church administrator who can just WhatsApp it to you or email it to you. So so it's up to you. Get a hold of that resource. It's free and available. So this this morning, we're going to carry on. Part three of our series, Awesome God, and this has also been the theme for this last week. Our prayer and fasting, we've been we've been just praying into the reality that we serve an awesome God. And somebody, some pastors who, uh, who I was in a meeting with this week on Zoom, they asked, you know, how's it going? What are you doing? And and my my honest response was, we are just focusing on God. It's not that we're not aware of what's happening. But we are focusing on God and it's been such a delight for me personally just this week. Just each day, each attribute of God that we've been looking at, every day I've been like, wow, this is so amazing. Uh, And and every day I'm like, oh, I don't think one day is enough to just spend time digging into this particular attribute of God. So what are we doing in this series? Well, this is a, a series and in this series we are looking at We are examining the awesomeness of God through encounters that men and women have had with him. So we're looking in the Bible and we're looking at specific places where where people have encountered God. But what are we looking for in the encounter? In each instance, there's a particular name of God that captures what God revealed about himself in the encounter. And remember, in Bible times, a name was given because it represents the person's nature or character. So this is quite an exciting journey of what we're learning about God. And I've just been loving preparing this message for you. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would just see you as I bring this word this morning. May we get, get just expand our hearts, stretch wide, the, the the cords of our tent, Lord, that we may see you, perceive you, and most importantly, Lord, become like you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go on. So today we are going to be looking at the name of God, which is Elroy, okay? And what it means is the Lord who sees. And we're going to look at the story in Genesis 16, verse 1 to 16. That's the whole of the chapter. And this is the story of Rahab. Sorry, 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 sorry. Not Rahab. It is the story of Hagar. There we go. Um, I'm going to mention Rahab a little bit later. So it's the story of Hagar. Now, some Bibles say it's the story of Hagar and Ishmael. Some 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 of the Bibles I looked at, they say it's the story of Hagar and Sarah, or Sarai. But... I I would just want to focus on Hagar. And so some of the scriptures about Ishmael, we're just going to pass over them. We're not so much focusing on Ishmael. We're focusing on Hagar. And it's one of those stories in the Bible where you kind of think, what's the point of this? This was a serious detour by Abram and Sarai. A serious detour off track. And and kind of, you know, if you're the person who really likes getting from A to B uh, in a straight line as quickly as possible, then you kind of look at these chapters in the Bible and you say, Lord, hang on, this is another detour. Do do we need to do it? The reality is, folks, that our lives are full of detours. And what we are going to look at is, and and what we need to see, is that God is with us even in the detours. And sometimes I want to submit to you, we learn more about God, about life, about ourselves on the detours and in the detours than we do when we are just cruising along and we just hitting our goals one after the other and we don't encounter any detours. So, so, so I want to invite you to come with us on this little detour and let's see. Let's see what we can learn from this story. And most importantly, what we can learn about our our awesome God. So let's go. Genesis 16, 1 to 16. We're going to read through the scripture. And I'm just going to pick up on some points as we read through it. So firstly, it says, Now Sarah, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, it may be, that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Now, usually we advise people to take advice, to take godly advice. And I say, I often say to husbands, listen to your wife. And I often say to myself, listen to, listen to my wife. Okay, it's good advice. The reality is not all advice is always advisable advice. And ultimately, ultimately, you, we, we can't point fingers at somebody else who's given us advice. Ultimately, we've got to decide as individuals whether we're going to take the advice that somebody gives. In this case, it was not good advice. But Abram listened. Let's read on and see. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Now, just one or two things. Notice that they'd now been living in the land for 10 years. So Abram is here about eighty-five years old, and Sarai is I, I forget the calc, She's, she was a little bit younger than Abram. But they've they've come back from Egypt. Remember, they took their detour also into Egypt, and here's another detour they on. And what it says in verse 4 is that when Hagar conceived, the Bible says, when she saw that she had conceived she looked with contempt on her mistress and this is the problem getting worse yes it was not a clever idea it was not a wise plan this advice of sarah abram shouldn't have uh, taken this advice and what what makes it worse is that the bible says that Hagar looked at her at uh, Sarai with contempt. What is contempt? Contempt is when you look at somebody with scorn or disdain. It is the attitude of regarding someone as inferior or worthless. She's looking down on the lady that she's working for, and this is a big problem, yeah. And, and I just, I, I just, you know, you may be saying that it doesn't relate to me. You know, as I've been meditating on just exactly what happened here, and, and just contempt. Sometimes, you know, sometimes contempt just happens in this way. We all have different gifts. We have all, all have different strengths. And you may, may be in some team, and you may have a team leader, maybe your boss. And you may have a particular gift in a, in a particular area and you just know that you are better. You may be better than your boss or your supervisor in a particular area. And I want to submit to you, when that becomes contempt or scorn or disd- disdain, that's dangerous waters to be in because it is aversion. It is a form of pride. And you know what Scripture says about uh, the, the proud. God opposes the proud. And this the, the, the problem we're experiencing here in this story, it's not just Abraham and Sarah's unbelief. It's not their disobedience in terms of trying to fulfill God's plans in their own way, the way they think it could be fulfilled. It's also, in this case, now Hagar's response to her mistress. And so this this is a problem, and and I just want to submit to you. Let us celebrate each person's individual strengths and weaknesses. But if there is an area that you recognize, hey, I have a strength in this area greater than m- the person I need to be submitted submitted under. Let contempt not come in your heart. Recognize that person has been placed there. To lead the team or to lead you for that season. Let's guard our hearts against contempt. I don't believe it pleases the Lord. But let's go on and just read the story. It says over here, verse 5. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. Now look at what's happening here. Sarai is pa- passing the buck. She's passing the blame here on Abram. She is now very upset that her servant girl is contemptuous towards her. And she is now blaming Abram. She's the one who brought the advice. Yes, Abram took it. But again, third problem I'm highlighting over here. It's not just the unbelief of Abram and and Sarai. It's not the contempt. Here, it is blame shifting. And again, blame shifting never solved any problems. If we're going to deal with our stuff, we have to face the music. Take responsibility for our stuff. Apologize or repent where, where, where we need to. It's just how we sort these things out. Blaming others, blaming the weather, blaming things from the past, blaming other people never will never sort out your problems, will never sort out my problems. If there's a problem that, that I'm responsible for, I need to take responsibility, request and seek forgiveness or repentance. That's just how we deal with these things. Dodging the bullet, ducking and diving, it just never sorted anything. And let's just go on here. I just want to highlight this. It may be understandable in the context. Let me just tell you a little bit about the context in those cultures. Um, I know we look at it and maybe if you have a very westernized culture cultural background you may look at the story and think this is just really weird but in those days uh, it was not uncommon for example for a servant or a slave to actually if if the wife wasn't able to bring forth children to actually conceive children on behalf of the mistress and in those days the children born from that from that slave girl or or would actually be seen as from the family. And so it wasn't it wasn't a culturally weird thing to do. The problem here was that God had promised that He would bring forth offspring from Abram and Sarah. And so in in this story has become so famous that today if people talk about that ha, this person Look at them. They've produced an Ishmael. It's become synonymous with trying to do God's plans in our own strength. Trying to, in the flesh, produce uh, what God wants us to do. And I absolutely believe there are times and very often there are things we need to do in faith to see God's plans come to pass. But there are very often things that are not in god's God's plan when we take things in our own hand we try and try and make things happen in our own strength we produce ishmael's and we get the mess that we we kind of seeing unfold over here i also just want to say that you know this contempt that hagar felt for a mistress is is understandable if you understand that her falling pregnant hagar falling pregnant Confirmed would have confirmed to Sarah that the problem in them having not not having children was her was not Abraham's problem, and and in those days producing children, um, for a wife was 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 a major a major, (laughs) if I can put it this way, responsibility, privilege, and delight, and in in those days being barren and not having children was definitely seen as a, as a huge negative blight on a person's reputation or, or just their character and who they are. So it would have, Sarah would have taken a huge knock by, by Hagar actually falling pregnant. And so in one sense you can understand it, but it's still, it just caused so many problems. Let's read on. It says, Sarah, carrying on. It says, I gave my servant your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. There's that word contempt again. May the Lord judge judge between you and me. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, in their marital tiff, in their argument, here we go. Sarah's bringing God in. And I must say, I must say, it always makes it really complicated and really difficult when we bring the God card in. To our arguments. And I my advice to you don't 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 blame God and pull God in left, right and centre when you're having a difference. Just focus on what is what is your responsibility. Just leave 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 the God card out. It just makes it so much more difficult to sort things out. But let's go on and see. Verse six. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Now, again, this is about the fifth mess up that I can see in the story. Abram is the head of the home. He is passing the back, totally back to her. And he's saying, do to her as you please. As the head of the home, this was not on. Abram is not fulfilling his responsibility um, as the head of the home in Yah. And and in this situation, I believe that he should have, as the head of home, try to mediate between these two women. And he doesn't. He basically says, just you do whatever you please. And where there is this contemptuous attitude, I can just imagine that this was gonna go pear shaped, and we know it did, but this was gonna go nowhere. And again, Abram blew it by saying that. Then Sarai. Dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And I just underlined the word "found her" over there, because I think that is the turning point. Now, who knows? We don't know. The Bible doesn't explain and give more detail what kind of a abuse that hagar may have experienced was it just verbal was it emotional was it physical we don't know we can't we can't join those dots we just know that it became so unbearable that poor hagar fled now remember she's pregnant and she just she just flees but the story is about this god that seeks and saves the lost yeah it says The angel of the Lord found her. And remember in Scripture, when we see the angel of the Lord, it is the Lord Jesus. Many Bible scholars believe it's Jesus. And the Lord found her. And I just love that. I just love that. And, you know, if we just think of um, so many of the Psalms, folks, there's nowhere we can go to hide from the Lord. The Lord is so good at hide and seek. Uh, He will find us. And I'm just so delighted about that. I'm so good that God is so good at playing hide and seek. And, and it says he found, and let's go on and see what, what happens next to the spring. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? That question, where have you come from? And where are you going? We know the Lord. The Lord knows these answers. He's not asking that question for himself. I believe he's asking that question for Hagar. And it's a profound question. was just meditating on that question? Where have you come from? And where are you going? As we stand at the start of a new year, January 2021. I believe that's such a powerful question to start the year with where have you come from and where are you going every one of us will no doubt answer that question differently and again the lord just wanting to go down deep the lord really wanting to wanting to just open her heart and she said i'm fleeing from my mistress sarah the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Return to your mistress and submit to her. Now, I underline that because I, I do believe it's it's just so important. Now, I'm by no means, and by underlining that and just highlighting that, saying that every person who experiences any sort of abuse, necessarily, has to return to an abusive relationship or submit to somebody who is who has been abusive i'm not saying that at all but what i'm saying that the lord really honors the whole concept of biblical submission the reality is that hagar was pregnant with abraham's son and god had promised and we'll see this god had promised blessing to the offspring of Abraham and even though Hagar was not the way that God was going to bring um, the, 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 the fullness of the promise she and her offspring also experienced the blessing and, and this is an amazing story of the Lord reaching out to the marginalized to people who are on the fringes to people who feel they don't belong to people who, who, who feel out, to people who feel they just don't belong. It's an amazing story. So many people, I believe more people than, than would actually honestly care to admit it, have gone through seasons in their life where they felt like a Hagar. They felt like they, uh, they're an outcast, they're not needed. They literally, you know, the proverbial fifth wheel on the wagon, um, to use that, that, that analogy – just not fitting in. But the Lord says, return to your mistress and submit to her. I just want to say, and I've just seen it time and time again, the Lord is actually dealing right here with her contempt. Her contempt, which was, which is a fruit, really, and, and, and is a fruit of pride. And, and one of the the, the, the the close cousins of pride is rebellion. And I'm not saying she didn't have grounds to actually leave. But the Lord wanted to deal with stuff in her heart, and he sends her back. And, and sometimes having to submit to somebody who you've had an issue with, <coughs> there's so much that happens in your heart in that situation. And again, I'm not saying every situation is like that. And, but there's times in God where submitting in a difficult situation to a, a boss or a superior, whatever that looks like, that 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 is difficult god has so much in our heart through that situation and it says and remember also that in abram's home a uh, um, that is where she gave birth this is how the story unfolds and it was a safe place and it was a place that she could nurture her son for a couple of years he could grow up in safety there was provision etc Everything that you need when you're giving birth. I don't know where she was expecting to go. A pregnant woman just walking off into the wilderness like that. So it's really, it is a case of the Lord providing for her in the home of Abraham. And verse 10, the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Again, God's blessing. A marginalized lady coming in to the blessing of Abraham, yeah, and and i just want to say it doesn't matter how marginalized you feel if you've submitted and put your faith in 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 the work that the lord did for you on the cross of calvary you've surrendered your life to jesus the blessing of abraham according to scripture comes to you there's blessing that is going to go to your offspring and 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 down your generation that is just how god works so let's go on in the story it says in verse 11 and the angel of the lord said to her behold you are pregnant and shall bear a son you shall call his name ishmael because the lord has listened to your affliction the lord has listened to your affliction and this these words of the lord he goes on to speak about um just prophetically about ishmael in verse 12 And as I said, we're not focused on Ishmael. I'm just skipping past verse 12. But look at at how she responds. Hagar responds with verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Wow. And verse 13 is the key verse. The Lord said, "The Lord has listened to affliction." In verse eleven, and and I want to just I want to highlight here. It says, "The Lord has listened to your affliction." And her response is, "So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing." And right there, you're a God of of seeing. She used the word, "You are Elroy. You are the God who sees." Elroy—that's what Elroy means. You are the God who sees. And in verse eleven it speaks about him listening. And so I just want to unpack this. Her response is Truly I have seen him who looks after me. And I want to unpack this by just uh putting it up on the screen for you. And yeah, when she says you are God of seeing, that's the word Elroy in the Hebrew. And she said, Truly, yeah, I have seen him who looks after me. Uh the NRV Bible translates that that little phrase. I have now seen the one who sees me. I have seen the one who sees me. This is the revelation that that Hagar gets in this encounter with God next to this brook as she's sitting there pregnant um, and just oh, at the end of herself. This is the revelation that God sees. And I just want to unpack. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about what does it mean? What does this Elroy mean? What does it mean that God sees? And um, just to bring closure before we do, just to bring closure to the story, verse 15 goes on. And Hagar bore Abram a son. So she And Abram called the name of his, of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. See, his son. Abram embraced Ishmael as his son. Abram was 86 years old when hagar bore ishmael to abraham but what what does it mean the lord who sees there where this 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 pregnant lady is next to this brook she says i've seen the one who sees and she says you are elroy you see what is, what what does this mean and and I want to unpack it by just maybe mentioning two little stories that just just came to me when I was thinking about this um a few years ago um I heard about uh, a a wonderful ministry it's called grief share and it's it's a ministry aimed at really ministering to people who've lost loved ones and I had um just uh, previously. Um, experienced loss in my own life and also being a pastor I heard about this ministry and I thought wow let me inquire about maybe attending one of their workshops and their courses and and learn and and also obviously you know receive some 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 healing to uh, to my my own loss and so I called and I inquired and this is what the person responded firstly they they wanted to know Um, what loss I had experienced and I told them and then they explained that the group that they were working with were people who had either either lost a spouse or who had lost a child and when I experienced the loss that I was dealing with and also how long ago I'd experienced the loss the counselor said this to me they said they didn't think that I would actually fit into the group. And, and 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 initially I was like what do you mean? You know, I'm a pastor and I have had some loss in my life. And they just explained. They said the level of loss that somebody who has lost a spouse or a child recently is is incredibly intense compared to the the level of pain and loss that I I was experiencing. And they said the reality is if if I was sitting in that group with people who'd experienced that level of loss, they said I firstly would not be able to really identify with what they were going through. But more than that, they would also feel that I was not able to um, identify with that loss, and that would actually hinder them from sharing and just, just engaging in this journey of dealing with loss, and it made so much sense to me. And when I was thinking about this, it was, it just, it just connected for me. You see, if I went to sit in that group with people who've experienced such a loss, I am not able to see, or, ex- or, or, or really, I'm using the word see, see in terms of the heart, in terms of the compassion. I would not be able to, and they would sense that, and that would would cause them not to share the the, the 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 stuff that they need to share. And I just got it, and I was like, I couldn't see; I didn't have the eyes to see what they experienced. It's Ex- only other people who've been through that could experience that. And so, and so, there was just it was a connection that, sure. Sh- oh, this is the kind of seeing that we're talking about. I've heard it said that losing a, a child in particular, your own child, is is something that is particularly, is one of the hardest, the hardest losses that anybody can go through. And I just want to submit to you, I, I haven't, I haven't experienced that kind of loss. But... Our Father God has. When Jesus died on the cross, he experienced the pain that any parent on this planet would experience at the loss of their child. And so I want us to remember that when when we talk about a God that sees, he may not have experienced the same loss you've experienced, but he's experienced major loss in his life. And so when we talk about seeing, it is a deep level of seeing. And this is the thing. Hagar felt the compassion of God. And she said, I have seen the God that sees. You see, the seeing she was talking about wasn't just a physical, that God seeing her here next to this little this little um, bit of water pregnant lady. She felt God seeing her heart. She felt God seeing all her pain. She felt God seeing her rejection, seeing her everything and she called him Elroy you are the God that sees I want to just mention another story that connected with me I recently was driving past an area and I hadn't driven past that area for quite a while and when I drove past the area I remembered that um, some folks had stayed there a couple of years ago, years ago and when I when I drove past what i remembered was when we went to go visit these people my wife and i and i remember when we drove into it was it was sort of a security complex not a fancy one Uh, let me say a a middle class uh complex but i remember thinking wow this is such a nice complex and i remember seeing the house and going to the house and i remember thinking wow these are nice furniture this is such a nice house and i remember thinking wow you know they must be really happy here and when we went, we, when we went to, to chat to these people, um, they were actually in the process of moving, and the wife was there. And then we got chatting, and we just found out uh, their story. And we basically found out that they had moved there after the husband had lost his job, and they had actually newly moved to this area. And she just explained an, a little bit of, of just his loss at losing his job. Moving to a new place, not knowing anybody, and just the depression, the loneliness, etc. that this guy felt. And it really, it really gripped my heart. And you know, what I was when I was driving past that area, I remember thinking of the house, but the external, the nice house, the nice furniture, it didn't it didn't hit me as much as just the compassion I was feeling for that guy at his loss and just his loneliness in that season of his life. And I was as I was just reading the story and thinking about the God who sees and and Hagar saying, I have seen the God who sees me. I was like, Yes, I think I got a glimpse of what she was experiencing. When I drove past that area, I felt and, and I was just thinking about with real compassion. Thinking about that guy and that hard time that he was going through. That was my enduring impression. And that's God's stuff. And you know, folks, each one of us, you know, one of uh, during our prayer chain, one of the ladies who was uh, praying in, in one of the prayer chains, she shared just about that in her prayer time she was so felt to pray for people who had lost loved ones due to the COVID pandemic. And uh, she was particularly praying for a friend, uh, who was in her early twenties, and this friend had had lost a mom, and a mom was was um, the sole carer of the family, and now she had to this twenty-one-year-old, I think it was twenty-one, had to now care for for the rest of the family, and and this lady was just so praying for a friend that she would know God's compassion, that she would know the God who sees. She would know the God who sees. And she just said, 2020 was so hard for so many people. And her prayer was that people would know God's compassion. And when um, Jenny heard what I was speaking about, she actually just reminded me and shared that, that little story with me. Folks, people need to know God's compassion. And you know, maybe, just maybe, the contact point for them to see the God that sees is you or me just showing some compassion, just showing some love, showing some care, showing some kindness. Maybe that is how they will get to know Elroy, the God who sees. And I want to put up um, just some points on the screen. And these points are what I'm putting up here is what it is and what it isn't when we talk about the god who sees what he's what we are not saying he's seeing importantly and what he is firstly we are it's not seeing from a distance but seeing face to face and when i did a bible study on this word elroy and i I cross-referenced this scripture with other scriptures Many places when this concept of El Roy, uh, is mentioned in Scripture, it literally talks about people encountering God face-to-face. And a face-to-face encounter is a close-up. This isn't a picture, this picture of the Lord meeting Hagar next to this well. It's not a picture of, of God looking from a distance, kind of with binoculars. Um, seeing Hagar he's right up close with her she felt his presence and the reality is if you study in the Old Testament whenever it speaks about God meeting face to face it speaks about his presence it speaks about his closeness and so it's about not about seeing from a distance but seeing face to face next point is it's not just seeing the external but very much the internal world you see the Lord, the Lord revealed to Hagar and Hagar knew that God wasn't just seeing her circumstances here next to the well, being pregnant, etc. God was seeing her heart. And that's why she said, I've seen the God who sees. It's also not just seeing the current circumstances, but seeing the whole picture. God, when we speak about El Roy, the God who sees... We need to know that God sees the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He sees the whole picture. And we can rest in that. We can rest in the reality that God sees it all. It's also, it's not seeing as in spying or checking up, but seeing with a heart of compassion. This is so important. Many people are like, oh, can God see whatever? He's not checking up on you. He has a heart of compassion. He's not checking up. That you know, have you crossed the line? Are you okay? Listen, this was a this whole story, is a story of people crossing lines, messing up left, right, and centre. I've highlighted that to you, but God still goes into that mess and He turns it around. He redeems. It's a story of God once again redeeming, reaching in with His not just His hand, His face. He's face to face with Hagar. He's reaching into this mess. And he's redeeming it, he's cleaning it up, he's fixing up the situation. Not just he's he's reaching in with a heart of compassion. And when we talk about compassion, folks, it says a number of times about Jesus that he was moved with compassion. And and I and, and remember, Jesus, what we see in Jesus, Jesus and the Father are one. And so yeah, we are seeing compassion in 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 Genesis and I was like let's look at some of the scriptures and I was actually surprised at just how many there were in the gospels of Jesus being moved with compassion I'm just going to take you to one of them in Matthew chapter 9 and in Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness I just wanted to highlight that every disease and sickness, folks. You heard the testimony in in uh, when Jenny did the welcome and announcements of somebody who's experienced healing from COVID. I want to submit to you, every includes COVID and all its variants. The variant that hasn't arrived yet, Jesus can heal every single disease. Verse thirty six, it says, "When he saw the crowds." He had compassion on them. Folks, who's in the crowd? You and me. It includes all of us. He had compassion on them, the Bible says, because they were harassed harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he goes on to say, and he said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the field. Now, it's important, this aspect of compassion. We're going to come to that. Compassion is absolutely where you are connecting and feeling, seeing um, what's the situation and where the people are at. So Jesus is seeing these people where they're at. He's connecting with them but it's also like what can we do about it there's a there's a response that comes out of a compassionate heart the very the very term moved by compassion when it speaks about Jesus often he was moved by compassion to heal people it actually compassion moves us to action and 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 so it's so important that compassion isn't just something that maybe we experience on the inside it actually Compassion results in hands and feet actions. It results in prayers and and I don't know what acts of compassion you may be led to do out of just encountering the God that sees Elroy, and 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 the, this this the God that sees is experiencing His compassion. Once you encounter His compassion, like Hagar hey, next to this well, it changes you. And I, mean, I I don't know, Yeah, he's talking about harvesters, going to the harvest field. You and I having a heart to share God's love with people around us, offering to pray with them, to surrender their lives to Jesus, offering to pray for them for healing, that is an outworking of the compassion of God. So this is just, just a little definition that um, the Merriam-Webster <coughs> dictionary has. Uh, for compassion, it says the sympathetic consciousness of others distress together with a desire to alleviate it so there's the two aspects it's definitely on the inside the the sympathetic consciousness that's it's definitely it does involve feeling, but it's more than feeling it is uh, literally the the word the word for compassion in the in, 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 in the greek i looked this up in this context it literally talks about your 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 insides being moved literally that's what it means in the original language it literally means being moved on the inside okay but it says yeah together worth a desire to alleviate it, together with some action, a desire to actually make a difference. So it's important that we we just highlight it is both. Okay, so what can we learn from this story? I'm going to just bring it together with three things we can learn from this story. Firstly, it reveals to us the nature of humanity. We find unbelief unfaithfulness sexual exploitation marital strife jealousy covetousness and abuse this story is a profound reminder of the depravity of humanity folks we live in a broken world are broken people all around us and so just just sometimes just take the reality check that yes we may not experience perfection this side of eternity and that's okay and that's why we have compassion. And that's why we are okay uh, with detours. We recognize they happen. And we are okay to go and meet people in their detours. We are okay to go and pray with the Hagar's next to the well and say, come back home. Um, that is the heart also uh, in the, uh, of God revealed in the prodigal story of the prodigal son. So that's the first thing we can learn from the story. The second thing is this. It gives us insight into the character of God, El Roy, the God who sees. His compassion for the marginalized and the forgotten. Folks, we just see that, for example, in, 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 in any sort of discrimination. You know, so often um, it is, I think of just my experiences at school and various places, So often it is the weaker people or so-called weaker that are teased and abused and 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 etc. And that's just not the heart of God. The heart of God is to go after people like that. And finally, what else do we learn? It gives us a pattern for understanding how God relates to people on the margins with compassion, with compassion. And there are many examples. I said I'd, I mentioned Rahab earlier, but there's Tamar, Ruth, and the Samaritan woman. Many marginalized women. In this case, we're just highlighting marginalized women. In every single one of those stories the story of Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the Samaritan woman. Stories of God reaching down, God seeing, and God redeeming, and God turning a situation around, and God. Bringing people who've gone on detours, bring them back on track. And so, as we close, I want to pray for you. And uh, just close your eyes as we pray. Lord God, you're the God who sees. You're the God who sees. And Lord, I want to pray right now for anybody out there who you know you're on a detour. You may, may be able to relate so well with Hagar. You are sitting next to a well somewhere far away from where you know you need to be. And I'm talking particularly just being right with God. You know you're not right with God and you just saying, Oh Lord, how do I get back? And I just want to assure you, Elroy, God sees where you're at. Not in a judgmental way, but with a compassionate heart. He sees you and I just pray that you would just... Know His presence. Know the reality of Him being with you right now. And more than that, Him calling you back home. Back home to Him. And if that's you right now, I want to ask you just to pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord God, I know you see me. You see where I am. You see where I've been. And, Lord, I want to come back home to you. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for this wayward path I've been on. Forgive me for, yeah, Lord, the wrong things I've done or said. Forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord, of my sin. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. And, Lord, I open my heart you, I surrender my life to you wholeheartedly. Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I say I'm yours. I want to come back home, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you see me and that you bring me home. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.